3: Welcome to After Work Drinks, the weekly catch-up between best friends and magazine editors Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill that you get to join in on. Lucky you. Coming to you hot from back in the
4: UK. I know. I can't believe um, you're in London. I know. I, I just had this crazy thought the other day about how it's so, in the whole course of human history, the last 50 years, the only time that you've been able to get from one country to another in a matter of hours and how it actually makes my body and mind feel really weird going from being in one country and having this whole fulfilled life there and then just being plucked out of it and dumped in another country where you have a whole life there and it's just become really normal. But it's actually a very weird thing to experience.
3: That's how I felt about New Zealand where I actually had family, friends, had a house that I lived in <laughs> and was paying rent and was had a car and every, I literally just lived there and I went and worked from cafes every day. And then um, three months later, I just pack up and now I'm in LA and I feel like I live here because I've got so many friends that it just feels normal to be here.
4: And then I'll be in London soon. And I'm just going to be like, what? I know. It's very strange. And the flight was strange. So the first leg of the flight, I had to wear that crazy face shield, which I can't remember if I put on Instagram or not at the time, but it's yeah. wild. So you have to wear this full face shield. Um, and the first leg of the flight was empty so it was all good but the second leg was so busy you'd think it was 2018 every seat was filled there was no social distancing I couldn't get over it 2018 because no pandemic yeah I know (laughs) that yeah yeah it just felt like a busy July flight of people just bustling to get into london and i just thought where were they all coming from i don't know because it was it was at doha so it was it was a mix of flights coming in from all over the place um i was like why is everyone traveling even though i was traveling (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know
3: i was worried about Getting into London, but then I guess I shouldn't be. Because Do s- not worry.
4: They may as well just have an open gate that has no like. I just <laughs> w- w- you don't even walt- go through pass through. through. Control? Literally, I just had the auto system thing. There was no line. Um, oh, crazy! Anyway, so it's interesting. What have you been doing this week? So you what read the Nickel Boys, which I'm really excited. I read to the talk Nickel Boys. About. Yeah, which
3: is I wanted to read it for so long, and I also remembered after I'd finished it that I had done went before I was. Before I decided I was leaving London and flying back to New Zealand, I was going to bunker down in London because I was just so 50-50 about what I was doing. So I bought all of this shit on Amazon. I bought all this stuff on IKEA to make my room really nice because i just moved into a place. Bought all this stuff on Amazon, like yoga mats and all of these books, like seven or eight books that hadn't arrived in time for when I went to New Zealand. So they're still at my old house. And The Nickel Boys is one of them, but I forgot and I just read it. So that's annoying. Um... But I finally read it. It's by Colson Whitehead. I have it here in my hot little hands. Little mix. And um, we both read...
4: You read The Underground Railroad. You gave eh? me The Underground Railroad to read. I gave it to you for Christmas. Yes. And it took me ages to read it in my typical fashion. And then when I read it, my brain just blew up because it was the most fantastic book I'd read in years.
3: Yes. So he won the Pulitzer Prize for The Underground Railroad in like 2016... And it's such an incredible book. And then The Nickel Boys is his first novel since then. And he won the Pulitzer Prize for it in May.
4: I mean, I, when I saw that, I was like, well, I, so well-deserved. But just imagine being so talented that you win it twice in a row. I
3: know. I found this book much a much easier read than The Underground Railroad, mm. even though they're both um, really intense topics. This one I kind of breezed through in a day, whereas The Underground Railroad was a bit heavier. I had to keep mm. stopping and starting. Um, but it is... It's fiction, but based off a true story, which is the same with the Underground Railroad. Yes. So the Nickel Boys is a school in Florida that Colson Whitehead made up, but it's based off the story of a reform school in Florida that operated for 111 years. And that stuff's only coming out now about it because they tried so hard to keep it a secret what was happening there. But basically these schools are for instead of young kids going to prison they were sent to these schools all around the u.s and this one there were white boys and black boys and they were separated into different areas and both of them were treated badly but the black boys were treated much much worse and then the whole thing is that years later it's uncovered that there's a secret graveyard where the boys were being murdered and their bodies were dumped and that is actually, actually happened in Florida. Yeah, it's crazy. And even after this novel was published, more stuff's been coming out about this this school in Florida. And in The Nickel Boys, he says, which is obviously true, that he's, he's talking about the Nickel Academy, but he's also speaking about real-life
4: America, that if this exists, then there must be heaps out there. Yeah. It's so, so scary. It's so scary. I just, I read it and just, it, anything to do with kids, obviously, just, like sets your skin on edge but just the idea that people who are hired to look after vulnerable children can be so sadistic is just very hard to stomach and there's a um a kind of twist at the end and i remember getting my mum to watch it to read it and we were driving back from down south and I just wouldn't rest until she'd finished reading the book. So I was so desperate to talk to her about it. So she was sitting in the back seat and I was driving and I was like, have you done yet? And she was like, no. And then I looked back and she was just c- crying her eyes out. I was like, are you done yet? And she was like, nearly. And then we finally talked about it.
3: Yeah. I feel like this book, especially, this is the, fir- the first time I've ever really done this. But I remember listening to the Hilo ages ago and Pandora Sykes was like, when I finish a novel... I'll go and read all the reviews about it Mm -hmm. and I was like oh that's a bit wanky and then I just did it this time and Mm -hmm. I was like that's so good to do because you understand it in ways that I hadn't understood it before even just little things like obviously the main kid is he's um really smart and he's does well at school and he never gets in trouble and it's basically just being like even if you uh even if you do everything right you can't afford to be in the wrong place at the wrong time if you're a black kid in America mm-hmm. and then how his mom is the overprotective grandma because she knows that fact already so she's like really um watching over him all the time and then yeah it's, it's just so timely and I feel like it's really important to read fiction based off real life experiences because it helps you understand them in a way that I don't know watching a
4: documentary doesn't mm. there's actually I remember at the I can't remember if I recommended it at the time, but there's a Fresh Air episode where they interview him about the Nickel Boys, which is really fantastic because Colson Whitehead, he's just this incredibly talented and, like, very handsome um, author. And he was talking about how the same thing, like how everyone, every young black man has some experience of just being picked for no reason. And I think his was in a supermarket where someone picked the wrong guy and he was put in handcuffs and then i think the second half of the episode is them interviewing a journalist about the real school that the book is based off oh so
3: interesting yeah i got to the end i hadn't cried until i got to the end and then the final bit because it took my brain a second to figure out that final yeah same sentence <laughs> and i know that you'll know exactly what yeah. i'm talking about because your memory is so <laughs> fucking good um, yeah that final but I read it and then I was like what that can't be the end and then I reread it and understood what had happened and I was sobbing I was sitting by myself with this dog that I'm um, living with called Belle who's my favorite thing in the world and I was like crying my eyes out
4: it is it's horrendously sad yeah it's so amazing
3: but yeah everyone should read
4: that book club book club second book club is I've read on the plane Jules Soloway's book She Wants It have you, are you across Jill Soloway? No, not at all. So they are very interesting because they are dating Hannah Gadsby.
1: Mm, very important. I love Hannah Gadsby. Yeah, power
4: couple. And they created the show Transparent, which is really great if anyone hasn't seen it, actually. I watched it a few years ago. It came out, I don't know how long ago now, but a while. And this whole book is Jill Soloway talking about... Their experience creating the show, which was very groundbreaking at the time, it was the true story of their transparent coming out when they were seventy, and Jill and her family's oh reaction transparent. To it. So it's called transparent, but it's transparent, and it the show was very groundbreaking when it came out. But over time, it kept getting criticism because Jeffrey Tambor, who's a straight cis man played the lead role and obviously there's a huge amount of discussion and critique now about why you need trans actors playing trans roles but jules just really opened in this book about that whole learning curve when they first started filming transparent they were married to a man identified as a woman and watching their parents journey made them realize that they identified as non-binary they began having sexual affairs with women for the first time in their life they got um, breast reduction surgery completely changed the way that they look and it's just a really interesting non-judgmental funny clever book exploring all these questions about gender and identity in a really cool way and i love so good and then off the back of that, because whenever I read a book about someone, I'm desperate to hear what they sound like. I listened to an interview that Jill did on the sex ed, which is an Instagram page I follow, but not a podcast I'd listen to. And it's Liz Goldwyn, who is the granddaughter of one of the big old school st- Hollywood studio execs, Sam Sam Goldwyn or mm-hmm. something. And she's got this podcast where she just interviews really interesting people who are friends of hers and just talks really candidly about sex and masturbation and porn and sexual desire and sexual identity. And um, she interviewed Jill on there, and that was a really good episode. And then she interviewed Natasha Leone, who I didn't realize was just a fucking legend. I don't know who she is. I feel like you'd recognize her. So she's in Russian, she was in Russian Doll, that show that came out on Netflix last year. She's been an actress for ages, but Russian Doll was the first big show that she did where she got a lot of recognition and it was, she wrote it, starred in it, everything. Oh, really? Yeah. She made it with Amy Poehler. She was in Orange is the New Black.
3: Oh yeah. I recognize her. Yeah. Yeah. And
4: this interview, she basically talks about how um, turning 40 is the greatest thing that ever happened to her and how she feels as if she's a fully realized woman for the first time in her life and how she's doing the most interesting work of her life now and how she feels her sexiest as a woman because she's really comfortable with herself emotionally. And I thought it was really, really cool. Yay. It's a good one for all of us getting older. I know. I was like, this is what we need to listen to. We need to This is the first time I've ever heard a woman saying, I feel the fucking hottest I've ever felt at 40. She was like, everything Hmm. up to 40 is just practice. She was like, everything a woman does up to 40 is just A practice to becoming the woman you're meant to become. And then she said, for men, she thinks that happens when they're 60. She said, maybe 50, but closer (laughs) to 60. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. I know.
3: Moving on. So it has been a very quiet time, celebrity news wise, because we are in the middle of a global pandemic. And when any celebrities walk outside, they wear face masks. So the paparazzi usually can't spot them. And also, everyone's just staying home. But we finally have some very, very juicy, exciting news. Yes. That Brad Pitt has a girlfriend and he has had for like nine months.
4: Yes. This is very surprising to me, this story. I don't know why. Just there's lots of twists and turns to it. When you first sent it to me, it was a vulture story. And you said, um, this is very us.
3: (laughs) Yes. So... Brad is dating a 27-year-old German model called Nicole Poturalski, and they were actually spotted at a Kanye West concert in November 2019 in LA, but we were all thrown because he was at the concert with that amazing artist girl that we all thought he was dating, who has been riding bikes with for ages. Oh, yeah. She was sitting in the middle of them. <sighs>
4: see this it, it, i i can't lie i'm disappointed i'm disappointed that that wasn't who he was dating the whole time i'm sure nicole is a lovely person but i had my heart set that he was he was dating earlier shortcut and she was just a cover this whole time for nicole yeah
3: so she was sitting in the middle kind of leaning back and nicole and brad are sitting forward staring into each other's eyes uh nicole is ridiculously beautiful she looks like arena shake kind of mixed with angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. she speaks five languages she
4: we love a multilingual queen and then they have
3: been spotted vacationing in paris together and then the daily i was on the daily mail for the first time in about a year yesterday scrolling and they had the funniest photo that zoomed right in of the private jet And all you can see is these, it's it's honestly so funny guys, you can just see these blurry figures, like you you cannot (laughs) even see that it's anybody, it's like the weirdest zoomed in photo ever um, of them getting off a private jet in Paris and then they did some research and since February, Nicole's kind of been alluding to having a boyfriend, she posted a photo in Beverly Hills walking down the street and said, Miss- missing strolling around with my love.
4: Oh, And she also posted another one
3: saying, yeah. Okay. And she also posted another one saying, Sundays are for relaxing with my better half.
4: Wow. So she's, you know, she's open about it. Yeah. Just no one would. I just, I just, I know, I, I don't know that this would be her experience. But I can just imagine if you started dating Brad Pitt, you'd just be so... Desperate for people to know, but you wouldn't want to, like, you obviously couldn't ex- come out and say it. So I feel like I'd just be posting things like that and hoping that someone in the whole world guessed that it was Brad Pitt.
3: Yeah, yeah, totally. And then another interesting tidbit is that she's reportedly married and in an open relationship with her 68 year old husband, who's a prominent German restaurateur, Roland Mary. And they've been together for about eight years and they have a young son together. And apparently Brad and Nicole met at one of these, this man's restaurants when Brad was on his Once Upon a Time in Hollywood press tour. So he went into one of this, guy's, this restaurant tour's places and then met his wife Nicole there. And then they've been dating since. But, I mean, they might have broken up. Who knows?
4: Oh, the Daily Mail's got a horrendous headline. Exclusive. Jilted husband of Brad Pitt's new German model lover, Nicole Putarowski, 27, is seen for the first time since they started dating. And they've gone to this poor man's house and just taken a photo of him walking around with AirPods in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they
3: called him and said, what do you think about Nicole dating Brad? And he said, no comment. Aww.
4: Oh, poor guy. Yeah, it's... um. You look happy for Brad? I don't
3: know. I'm happy for Brad and I like that Brad has always been very classy with the women he dates. Mm -hmm. Apart from obviously having an affair with Angelina Jolie, which was not classy. Yes. But Jen and Ange are very classy women. And Nicole is 27, which isn't a major age gap. It's pretty big. 29 would be better if he was dating me.
4: Yeah, he's he's fifty seven, is he? Brad oh, I Pitt's see. like much older than he looks. I know that's because I was talking oh. to my um, I was talking to Zach and my dad about it last night, and they said, "Oh, twenty seven, that's not that big an age gap." And I was like, "Oh, it's thirty years," and they were like, "What?" Oh, <laughs> I know. This is what's crazy, but so the reason there might maybe people who are listening, I'm sure, who are like you guys have a go at people who date younger women, and the reason we're not in this case is not because we like Brad Pitt. It is because when we talk about age gaps being gross it is in the context of somebody like grooming knowing someone when they are of an inappropriate age and then meeting them an age gap in and of itself is not inappropriate it's inappropriate where for example like leonardo dicaprio you have known your girlfriend since she was 11 and then you started dating when she turned 19 and you're 46 weird when you're 56 and you look like you're 30 and (laughs) you meet someone who's 27 and they are very successful on their own and they are a model and they're successful and they have a career and they have a child and they've been married that is a very different situation yes preempt anyone confused
3: preempt anyone being like you guys just hate
4: leo but love brad that's also true it's true we (laughs) won't lie but this is why we're explaining it i just i just In my soul, it's not Brad's fault. You can't help who you fall in love with. But I just, I love, I just wished he was the Keanu Reeves, you know, hot age appropriate artist girlfriend, but we can't have everything in life. Another piece of celebrity news that I'm sort of strangely excited about is Gigi Hadid having a little muffin baby and sharing her bougie photo shoot that she did. I love how she did nothing for ages and seemed so low key than did the most non-low-key, giant photo shoot for it.
3: Yeah, I find it funny. Same. Um, but I also love that Gigi Hadid and Zayn are your random weird celebrity couple that you really like. Yes. I have f- hardly any feelings about this whole thing, apart from, which I guess, I don't know, is maybe a controversial thing to say, but I just can't understand being... 24 or however old she is and being at the height of your career and having so much money you can do anything you want choosing now to have a baby just seems weird but i'm like maybe it
4: was unplanned but even just with like sophie turner and joe jonas i'm like you're like 22 i know i know i actually wanted to talk to you about this at this i think we meant to talk about this at the time and we just ran out of time when she announced she was pregnant and then i started to wonder that if you are a model. that Gigi Hadid is in modeling terms at where like people in normal jobs are in their 40s. You know what I mean? Because your 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 job has such yeah. a time span on it. So mm-hmm. I just wonder for her if by the time she's 24, she's like, Oh yeah, I've done probably everything I'm gonna do, I've had a great life. Like <laughs> I'm acting like it's a death sentence. But you know what I mean? It's like she's probably <laughs> experienced a lot of things because of money and power and wealth and privilege and blah 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 blah. That people wait to experience before they have kids, and the reason that people wait to have kids is usually a combination of hitting career goals and having enough money. Yeah, you know, so I'm like, if you got both, yeah, it's
3: not like her life really needs to change that much after having a kid because she can have she can hire help and she can she'll be able to do whatever. But I just find I I was just looking at Kylie Jenner the other day, and I was like, you're I'm getting everyone's ages wrong. I know it, but I'm like, you're like. How old is she? 22. Mm. And now, aged 22, your life is filled with going to kids' birthday parties mm. every weekend. Mm. That
4: is just hell on earth to me. Mm-hmm. I always think that with kids where I think that I wouldn't mind having, like, just my kid, the thing that scares me <laughs> is all of the the stuff the you stuff have, you to, have do. to do, where you, everything you do is kids, like, parties and sports games and that's the thing when I just think about me having a little muffin baby in the house I'm like oh yeah maybe and then when I think about doing all the stuff that comes with it I'm like need a few more years
3: that's I was living with my really good friend she's got a three-year-old and she's a best mum. she's honestly so constantly doing stuff with Ico and actually um I've been rollerblading have I already said this on the podcast rollerblading around Venice but they just bought roller skates. She bought her and Ico matching roller skates and they've been rollerblading around in isolation. They do all this stuff together. But she was just like every single weekend it's some like crazy kid's birthday party. And then you have to hang
4: out with all these mums mm. that you just wouldn't hang out with usually. And imagine as well, it's just so funny. Imagine if your kid just picked a kid with just a, with a dud mum. And then you're just stuck with them for 10 years, you know? And then you can see other mums that you'd like more. And you're like, go hang out with Billy, please. Like, I need a rosé. And Jenny's mum doesn't drink.
3: (laughs) It was like my mum. Anytime I um, made friends with someone's mum who didn't drink. Mum would just be like, You can't see them
4: anymore, Isabel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Actually, can we please, please, please briefly on the topic of rollerblading talk about that iconic 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 dm you got this week from a listener
3: oh my god we'll leave
4: you anonymous but if you're listening we adore you
3: so 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 good okay so i put up a rollerblading photo on saturday morning in la and it wasn't even of me it was of my friend and then i got a reply because it was nighttime in australia or new zealand or wherever this girl is she was, wow, I love you and Grace so much, but spelled S-M. Wow, I love you and Grace S-M. Sorry, I am drunk. Have a good blade.
4: <laughs> have a good blade. All one sentence. I love, I just adore this person. My favorite
3: part is the have a good blade. Have a
4: good blade, like, makes it just someone that I want to have a drink with from that short sentence. But then sentence. the
3: funniest part is I replied to her and said, you sound like our target demographic. Yeah, yeah. Or something. You sound exactly like our target demographic, love this message. And she's never replied. (laughs) She's probably like, Jesus.
4: (laughs) The anxiety kicking in.
3: Yeah, that's the worst. I need to be banned from Instagram when I am drunk because I just get so happy and jolly and just start replying to stories here, there and everywhere, messaging people, just... It's, usually, it's always innocent stuff, but it's, like, these random messages that don't need to be sent
4: like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that did need to be sent. But other ideas Yeah, I love that message. Yeah. But I, yeah. another one of my, like, fantastic app ideas that already exist, which I think I've done two or three separate times on this podcast now, and I was like, I have a great idea that's going to make a million, then heaps of people DM me and say that it's already a thriving business, um, mm-hmm. is uh, uh, modes that you can set on your phone. There's two modes. Stalk mode, so you cannot like someone's photo. <laughs> That's so necessary. Like when you're back 174 weeks ago, it's impossible. You just put a a setting on. And the second one is drunk mode. So you can't, you make a list of people you can't, your phone will not let you message and you put it on before you have your first drink. Do you
3: know what happened to me on um, Sunday while we were driving to Malibu? I was with my friend Steven and I was showing him this hot guy that I'd been messaging and I clicked on his thing, and it started calling him. That's ringing that's him. Insane, ringing. Yeah, and I was and Steve, and Stephen was ring like, is anyone
4: it? like ever? It's because it keeps like
3: I signed up to Hinge when I got here because I was like, I want to see. I just like get really excited about being in new places mm. and seeing different people on them. And I haven't met up with anyone or really replied to anyone because I'm fucking lazy. But this one person, we were talking back and forth. I made a joke because his. Um, photo was him on a coca-cola billboard and i made a joke about it but it turns out he's getting paid by coca-cola till 2024 so it's actually jokes on you very lucrative yes. <laughs> jokes on me i was like oh okay and then anyway we started talking a bit and then i was trying to show Steven him because he's really good looking and uh because they're trying to make you not meet up in person because of covid it keeps encouraging you to do video calls <sighs> and so i pressed on his profile and it starts video calling a him nightmare. and wouldn't let me cancel it so I'm sitting here, like my face is looking at me right. while I'm in the car trying to hang up. That's a nightmare. And then,
4: needless to say, we've not spoken again. <laughs> <laughs> that just shouldn't be a feature of that. It, it just should be. Uh, it, was it should fucked. be harder to call people than it is. I've accidentally called so many people. Accidentally called you the other night, which is just not a big deal. But I was just listening to a podcast, doing my skincare, and then you were being wrong. I don't even know how it happened, and I just think that that could have been a weird situation calling someone you don't want to be calling at 10 o'clock at night so you should need to be like are you sure you want to call this person yeah that was stressful on the topic of dating i saw you pop up in an unexpected place on instagram this <laughs> <week>. <laughs> it's so chaotic That's when what? someone you know comments on like, I never uh, comment on things either. Yeah, um,
3: like when you were commenting on Emma Watson's post. Yeah,
4: exactly. And people popped out, <laughs> out of the woodwork to either argue with me or um, like it. Um, <laughs> so ra- you know, you're in you're too deep in the internet when you do that. But anyway, so there was a yeah. post on Overheard New York where someone was discussing splitting the bill, and actually opened this huge can of worms about is splitting the bill feminist? What's the deal? And then Izzy weighed in on the post because this fantastic person that we follow <laughs> on Instagram did an amazing comment on it. Wait, we should, get, we should read out what the actual Overheard New York was. Bring it up. Okay. So it says, I told him I'm not working. Wait, <laughs> I didn't read that in the <laughs> tone. <laughs> it was intended to be. I told him I'm not working. He ordered more drinks than me and he still let me split the bill. I can't afford to date progressive guys anymore in this economy. In this economy, I've got to go back to misogynists. Like, ha ha ha, which she was obviously making a joke to her friend,
3: but still, it's a bit shit to make someone split a bill when they don't have a job and you're ordering more food than them. But I feel like it's this big conversation in feminism where guys are like, okay, you guys want equality, but then you have an issue with splitting the bill. And anyway, this girl, Ashley, I need to bring it up now too who um, we both follow on Instagram. Ashley Nicole Tribble. She replied to it writing, going Dutch isn't progressive. It's a way for men to benefit from their misunderstandings about feminism while looking progressive. A man who actually understood that wouldn't have made or even let you pay. And then I wrote, I I quoted Florence Given because people were having a go at her. I was like, fuck off. And I said, it costs more to be a woman in a world where we're paid... Substantially less than men, and we're meant to believe that splitting the bill is the route to equality. Gorge. Because what I feel about it, and I've actually had an experience with where my ex boyfriend on our first date made me split the bill. And I was kind of thinking about at the time, I was like, why does this annoy me? Mm -hmm. Because Exactly. Feminism. But I'm also just like, you pay for the first date and I'll pay for the second date. It's just, it's just a nice thing to do. Also, women are paid so much less than men. And also this girl wasn't even working. Yes. That's... Just be a gentleman.
4: But then I'm like, is wanting a gentleman anti-feminist? Exactly. Okay. So this is the thing. Cause it's like, this is why this is such an interesting topic. Cause if we're all being honest here and not saying what we say when we're supposed to be saying the right thing, if... Any girl who goes out with a guy – okay, I don't know about any girl. A lot of girls we know who would go out with a guy on a first date, if the guy did not offer to pay, did not pay, did not make a point of paying, it would be considered a red flag. I think girls would talk about it and be like, that's weird, what the fuck, blah, blah, blah. And I think there is still an expectation of a kind of chivalry in dating that's fucked up and that we've been conditioned to want and that we need to break down – expecting men to be taller than us expecting men to be wealthier than us expecting men to be physically big or be able to protect us expecting men to be tough like those things we need to learn to break down at the same time i don't necessarily think that like this is just that i think it's a lot of the time it seems like it's men not engaging with feminism and equality at all And then saying, oh, I thought you're feminist. And then like making you pay to do that and that's the only time they engage with it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I also think that while, yes, expecting someone to be a gentleman is probably not the right thing. But I think, I literally think someone paying for the first date for you, you would then pay for the second date. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're expecting them to fork out. And also, if it's a shit date and you really didn't like each other and you ordered a really expensive meal, I don't think there's anything wrong with expecting someone to go halves. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to see them again, then fuck it. But I feel like it's kind of in a similar vein to proposals, to marriage proposals. Because it's like, yes, obviously women should be able to propose to men and men should be able to propose to women. But still, we expect men to propose Mm -hmm. nine times out Mm -hmm. of ten. And I feel as though it's the same way with splitting the bill in terms of the chivalry thing and that's but that's not accounting for the fact that women are paid substantially less than men you get so much we get paid 80 cents to the dollar that you are so surely you can pay for a dinner and then just to like for a nice gesture
4: yes and i think as well it goes back to that thing that you just said where you expect the person that did the asking out to dinner to pay for the dinner because they've asked you out to dinner. Yes. And because we don't yet have a culture where women are comfortable, as comfortable, asking men out, it tends to be that you're like, well, you ask me for a drink. Like, why are you being weird about shouting the first round or paying or or offering to pay I think Hmm. most women would say no 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 I'll transfer you or don't worry about it or I'll get the next one or whatever and if they knew they weren't going to see someone again would probably insist on paying it's not expecting men to chip in more financially in a relationship than you it's just a gesture but I think until we get to the point where it literally is a system of whoever does the asking does the paying because I imagine like this is a very heteronormative discussion we're having and I imagine in gay relationships it must be A much more interesting dynamic because is it the the person who did the asking always does the paying or does it fall into a kind of thing of whoever's Mm. making more money like you know I wonder how that all works out
3: yeah um yeah and and that's that's so true I also think that if you're inviting someone somewhere say a really expensive restaurant you shouldn't expect them to pay Either way. But yeah, I feel like it's an interesting one because I know some girls who don't at all expect the guy to pay for the first date. And would feel maybe... I would feel annoyed if if a guy went about it in a way of being like, no, 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 no. Like, really, I've got it, I've got it, I've got yeah. it, I've got it. As if you can't take care of yourself. It's more of literally just being like, the meal's finished. I would say... Shall we split it? And they say, no, 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 I've got it. I've got it. And then I could say, okay, cool. I'll get the next time. That's as simple as it needs to be. Yes. And I actually explained that to um, one of my guy friends in New Zealand. And he was so,
4: so shocked. He was just like, oh my God, I wish I'd just known that mm. the whole time. It's just the like, offering it of it. Like the the, the yeah. offering or the making a point of it or the whatever. I just think is just a politeness thing. I think sometimes we can get very bogged down in like male female binaries and it's sometimes just a good manners thing
3: i wonder if um i wonder how many people listening disagree with us i know
4: same i would love to hear i i know for me and i know it's the same for you that i have never ever expected a man to chip in more Financially into a relationship than I have in an overall no. way I just I just for me my relationship with money is that generosity yeah is very I think that's attra- another a very attractive as quality well. to me and I just think that like with my friends like the people that I'm friends with are the people that shout around or the people that like just yeah. grab dinner for you and say I'll get the next one or just buy you a coffee and don't expect you to transfer them four dollars like that's who I surround yeah. myself with, with friends. So to me, if someone was making a very big deal about having spent 30 or 40 bucks on a dinner with me and wanted to get that money back on a first date, it would make me think like we didn't have aligned values around the money.
3: Yeah, I'm the same. I, I love giving to people as well. Mm. So I love shouting things and buying people things and rah, rah. rah. So yeah, I feel the same. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> love that that came up through me being a little co- a keyboard
4: warrior. Is that what they call you? Oh.
2: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort.
0: some sad news
3: that happened on Friday in LA um, that Black Panther actor Chadwick Boseman has passed away after a four-year battle with colon cancer that he had kept secret from the public. And when that, when that happened, I picked up my phone and the first post I saw was from Sean King with a huge photo of Chadwick and my stomach just dropped. Mm. And I think, instantly you know that this is
4: this is major and really heartbreaking he was 42 yeah 42 I felt the same when I first saw it it just felt like another kick in the guts from a piece of shit yeah but just I think he Chadwick represented something that felt very much like the future of Hollywood I think that's the reason it felt so upsetting this is like a black man on this giant trajectory that has just started hitting the major points of a huge long career in a newly diverse, amazing film industry, you know, being the lead in black Panther playing James Brown and all these other incredible people he's played. um, I think it just made it feel like this horrible, like this momentum had just stopped dead.
3: But also he was literally, if anyone hasn't seen black Panther, please watch it. But he is the first ever black superhero but not only that he plays a black king he's the he's the black king so it's like the black king just died Mm. in this year which is just seems so crazy and that movie meant so 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 much to millions of people around the world it was one of the highest grossing marvel films ever
4: yeah i think it's one of the top five highest grossing movies in american history it's it was it's, such a yeah, fucking so cultural crazy. phenomenon when it came out. I remember I went to New York for the. What was it for it was they did a New York Fashion Week activation launch thing when it came out, and I remember going to a party and Chadwick was there and Lupita was there and a bunch of the actors were there, and it was just this sensation. It was just crazy, and that's so cool. I didn't know you went to that. Yeah. Because f- it, it wasn't the premiere or anything, it was like a fashion week party that was sponsored by Black Panther, yeah, yeah, so um cool. but it was just fucking incredible, and I just think that that just felt like this huge turning point for cinema, you know,
3: yeah, and then I think as well, the fact that he was silently struggling for so long, so he would have been diagnosed the year Black Panther came out, and then he's worked on maybe three or two more films since then, since he's been sick. Um, And then people were also giving him shit for looking skinny in photos um, on Instagram and in his stories and stuff. So he was literally deleting them and turning off his comments because he was hiding this really, really, really intense battle. It's just Um, awful. Which is very sad. And and then it's also that thing of people just collectively grieving someone we've never met,
4: Mm. which is weird. I think we've had this messed up year where we're all... It's like that thing you posted on our stories today where it was a cake saying, congratulations, you survived six months of a global pandemic. And it's just that funny thing where we're all going through a lot emotionally, but because it's every person on the planet, we don't feel like we have room to feel anything. So when these things get Mm. compounded by more fucked up shit happening globally, like what happened with George Floyd and... Even Kobe Bryant, like, this whole year has just had a lot of tragedy in it. You know, Beirut, Yemen, like, there's just been thing on top of thing, on top of thing, on top of thing. Maybe fucking Donald Trump is going to get reelected. Like, these things, um, they, like, hit us in this very, like, visceral, real way when they happen. Mm, Yeah. And so many people were posting that, so many people we love and admire, people, people who either had met him or had never met him were just saying, like, I needed to go to bed early tonight and just have a sleep and just cry because this just feels like this huge, symbolic, horrible thing that this has happened. Take a step
0: on this, Mark, and whenever you're
4: ready, go ahead and tell Chadwick what he and
0: the movie mean to you. Uh, Darren here. I just want to say thank you so much for making Black Panther... I can't express how much it means to me and in the community and my family. Um, Thank you from the very bottom of my heart for all that you've done, um, for really being a hero um, that we really need in a time like this. Thank you so much.
4: Darren,
3: I think there's something wrong with your microphone. Oh!
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to describe what this movie has meant to me and to other black people. And I know this is for you, Chadwick, but I wanted to take a second to thank the black women too because they were so strong on their own terms and answered to no one but themselves and i think is so important because they weren't strong because they were angry they weren't strong because they were hurt they were strong because they were strong and that meant the world to me so thank you wakanda forever
3: wakanda forever <laughs>
4: So onto a topic I'm so excited for us to talk about because we've both just got into such a black hole of this topic this week is OnlyFans as a concept and then Bella Thorne and how these two things weirdly (laughs) butted heads this week.
3: Yeah, so OnlyFans has been popping up a bit recently. I feel people I know now have have OnlyFans accounts um but basically it's a subscription platform which was started in the UK where creators can sell content directly to their fans um and when it started it was primarily used by sex workers um so sex workers can and and it's kind of it's a place where you couldn't share the content on Instagram because it's too explicit so people would go to OnlyFans to see the content and then pay like a monthly fee so you could pay 10 dollars a month and then you get a range of extra content that you wouldn't get on Instagram or anything or social media. Subscribers can also directly message people on OnlyFans and pay more for whatever,
4: nude photos or wherever, whatever it happens to be. Yes. So it's massive. I, so this, it makes a lot of sense to me, even just as a thing, because you have Patreon, it's, I guess, Patreon for Instagram where it's a feed like thing, that you can pay extra to get more access to people that you like and follow but it's like we said mainly been used for by sex workers and it's been a massive lifeline for them during the pandemic where they can't actually work in brothels and so only fans got a shout out in megan the stallion and beyonce's cover of savage making it kind of more in the mainstream than it had been before and it's now reportedly worth 725 million dollars that's crazy that's a lot of People on there. Yeah. The New York Times
3: did a piece on it a couple of years ago and the most popular at the time OnlyFans personality was this girl called Jim wolfie from Perth. From
4: Perth, Australia. I can't get over it. Yeah.
3: And she had two point four million Instagram followers. Um but on OnlyFans had ten thousand subscribers paying ten dollars a month for her content. So she was making at least a hundred thousand US dollars a month.
4: Yeah, it's serious money. It's crazy. And if you go on her Instagram, this is why this is like a fascinating subsection of the internet. If you go on her Instagram, she looks like a fitness blogger. Yeah. Like she's in bikini, doing bikini shots and things, but she, she looks no different to most of the fitspo or models that we follow on Instagram, but she offers this extended service doing either nude images or sex related videos. For her followers. Yeah. So I think a lot of the stuff we were reading about OnlyFans that's really interesting was the fact that it's kind of plugged this hole between social media and internet porn. Because back in the day, porn stars made pretty good money from porn, they made around $5,000 per video. And because of sites like Pornhub and Red Tube, uh, which basically just bought up all of this porn super super cheap and started disseminating it for free online now porn stars only make $400 per video so the career's far less lucrative so OnlyFans is this kind of interesting place because the content that it offers is much tamer and less sexually explicit than porn because a lot of it's just pictures or like nude pictures or whatever but the porn stars are making way, way, way more money because people are paying for something that they won't pay for in hardcore internet pornography, which is intimacy, bespoke content, speaking directly to someone. So it's this kind of funny thing where people are so used to receiving explicit porn for free on the internet, but will pay for something that's less extreme, but more personable.
3: Yeah, so the New York Times piece said that, OnlyFans is viewed as a place where you have to post more and also more explicitly but a lot of the times that isn't actually the case because it's kind of tapped into this um, thing where people feel guilty for watching porn and so they don't feel good about themselves but when they go on OnlyFans and they're following someone as you would on Instagram so you feel like you kind of you know things about their life and you know who, who this person's name and where they live and they're posting stuff, then it feels like it feels less dirty and feels less gross and it feels more just like, oh, you're getting off to a girl that you kind of have a personal relationship with. Yes,
4: and it says that these um, the people on OnlyFans create relationships with the fans where they know their names, they know how many kids they have, they know that their work is particularly hard this time of the year and they'll put that in their interactions with them with the videos they're making. So in a weird way, it's kind of nice because – I don't, did you see Hot Girls Wanted, that documentary? No. It's a documentary Rashida Jones made about the porn industry and it's just so, so awful. I mean, it's a great documentary, but it's just awful to watch. And it's basically just about how these young girls in the porn industry get kind of coerced into doing things um, that maybe they would want to do off their own volition, but because there's so many kind of gross middlemen in between, you feel like they're not even really in a position to be consenting anymore. Um, so the fact that women who want to be sex workers can now make that money and it's just a direct line of contact, like there's no producers, there's no managers, there's no agents, there's no third-party people coming in to take money off them or exploit them or push them into things they don't want to do. It's just you in your house making decisions about your body, about what you're comfortable with, and then you get all of the money from it. It's so good. It
3: seems to be, and and it's been a major way that sex workers have made money right now during the pandemic which is where bella thorne comes into things yeah
4: so bella thorne is one of those people who i, I know she's extremely famous but i don't i just know her by proxy like i don't it's I,
3: yeah. she's a she's a disney kid past out era of disney kids okay okay like that guy we were talking about last week where I saw him on High Fidelity and then went on Instagram and he had 5 million followers. And I was like, how is this possible? And it's because he's a Disney kid. So Bella Thorne's a Disney kid. Mm -hmm. And then that's why I think she blew up even... I think that's why there's so many articles written about her because she's one of those Disney kids that kind of then went super raunchy and dated Scott Disick and like posts quite out there for Disney kid content. Mm -hmm. So people... That's why she's always covered. But basically, she signed up to OnlyFans And made 1 million US dollars in a single day. Which set an OnlyFans record. And then she made 2 million US dollars in a week. And what she was doing is she was setting her price at $20 per month for exclusive content. But then $200 for private nudes. But then what was happening was that 50,000 people paid the $200 for a nude. nude, Which is wild. But then Bella was only sending photos of herself in underwear. So then they were demanding a refund. And then this caused big drama in the back end of OnlyFans. And so then the platform started changing their policies to make sure this kind of thing didn't happen again. And straight after the drama, they made it so that now creators can only charge $50. That's the maximum for exclusive content. And then they capped tips at $100. And there had been no max amounts on either fee before that. And then it also changed the way payments work. And people now get paid monthly instead of weekly which is crazy. And so sex workers straight away are like, holy shit, imagine if your income just like that and the click of a finger went from being weekly to monthly and suddenly you're getting capped on these tips from customers who are happily paying you more for your content. You're just it's, it's like so major. It's so crazy.
4: So Bella Thorne is not actually the only major celebrity on OnlyFans. cardi b signed up in august but i don't think has actually been posting any content on there and aaron carter is on there and charges 19 dollars a month for nudes aaron carter, aaron carter of something fame in sync fame yeah i feel like he was on in some boy band yes and so is um megan from love island Yeah, yeah. And a few other reality TV stars on it as well. So it's not totally unprecedented that a celebrity is on there. But Bella Thorne is the only one who made a kind of big song and dance about it. And what I mean by big song and dance is that she did a interview with Paper Magazine to exclusively announce that she was creating an OnlyFans account. And in that article, they referenced a press release that Bella Thorne's agent had sent them about her launching an OnlyFans account. And in that press release, it said she was expected to make up to $1 million in her first day. So I have a suspicion that this is SponCon by OnlyFans who wanted to have like a big pop culture celebrity moment to get everyone talking about it and that they like encouraged her to come on or paid her to come on or something because. It mm. seems random otherwise that you would launch this account and accompanying it, accompany it with a press release that you send out to a billion publications, guessing that you might make up to a million dollars, and then that's exactly how much you make two days later when you do launch. Yeah,
3: what? Mm. And also, Bella said that the reason she joined OnlyFans was that she was making a film with this guy called Sean Baker about OnlyFans, and then he came out and was like, what the fuck, there's no film.
4: Yes. So Sean Baker made Tangerine and the Florida Project. and Oh, they're cool. (laughs) Yeah, like super cool movies. And Tangerine specifically was about a trans sex worker. So he's always touched on sex work in a very um, nuanced, interesting way in his movies. So she was basically saying, I've spoken to him and this is all part of this project we're doing. And then he came out and said, we're not working on a film together. We talked once after she'd launched the OnlyFans account and when we had our conversation, I said she had to be careful that her being on there didn't detract from sex workers' money-making abilities. Mm. So it has the like vibe of a PR stunt around it, but I don't know. That's so fucked if OnlyFans did that. And because sex workers, I was
3: reading a bunch of stuff on Twitter and sex workers were just saying that it's interesting that OnlyFans is worth... What seven hundred million dollars? But the platform always tries to um, separate itself from the sex workers who are make, who have made OnlyFans that money. Mm-hmm. And so now, if they're trying to work with a celebrity, and which is taking money away from sex workers, which is the primary way they're successful, then that's fucked.
4: Yes, because I think that OnlyFans, from what we were reading, they they never advertise themselves as being connected to sex work, and I think that they're ideal business model is that it's a place where anyone on Instagram can create a specialized paid for account where they can make more money. Because Instagram doesn't really offer many ways to monetize content. If you're successful on Instagram, you can sell ads, Mm -hmm. sponsored ads that you then post. But Instagram don't offer some sort of a deal where if you offer more exclusive content to members, you get a cut of money or something. They're kind of just filling a plugging a gap that Instagram really should have plugged themselves. And I think that they want that to exist just for anyone on Instagram, but because it's so heavily connected with sex work, I wonder if they try to use Bella Thorne as like a go-between to get more people across it and it's just massively backfired.
3: Mm. Yeah, and then there's been this whole conversation about whether celebrities should be allowed to use OnlyFans because they – obviously have like Bella Thorn's worth between five and 12 million dollars mm-hmm. doesn't need this extra million dollars in one day
4: yeah exactly and it's if this becomes I, something I find interesting about this is that if celebrities joined only fans and actually sent nudes I think that would be considered a massive deal um Like Bella Thorne's gone on there and said she's going to send nude images and then has sent through images that are really similar to what she actually posts on Instagram, which are just very um, skimpy bikini clad or lingerie clad photos. And I just think it's interesting that so many celebrities that we follow and idolize do the exact same thing. And yet we look at sex workers with a certain level of scrutiny for them doing that. Because it's naked instead making of making money naked. off it, yeah, for making direct money off of it. But it's like M. Ryder makes money off that, but it's it's less direct. It's like she makes money off it because she yeah. posts lots of bikini selfies, and then a brand will pay her to do a spawn ad. But it's still the same concept. But she seems to have elevated it to a level where people are like, M. rider's feminist and amazing and cool, and we all love M. Ryder, and everyone follows her on Instagram. But a sex worker doing it on OnlyFans. Is not okay, but the difference is like a couple of inches of fabric,
3: and also just the direct. So, if Em rider was getting paid for for selling the stuff she literally posts on Instagram, people would feel different later if she's getting paid for an ad based off her fame from the stuff she posts on
4: Instagram. Exactly, it's so weird. Yeah, exactly. And she'll post something in a bikini where it's like it's so skimpy that it's like one inch is just covering her nipple or her vagina in like this tiny way. And we see that as an acceptable form of selling herself online. And yet if she was completely naked and yet monetizing, it's just just really interesting to me.
3: But what's the privacy on this stuff? Because surely celebrities wouldn't join the site and be comfortable posting naked photos of themselves. I mean, unless they're comfortable with naked photos of themselves being shared publicly.
4: That's another thing with Bella Thorne actually that's worth bringing up is that She's a little bit of a legend in that an internet hacker was trying to blackmail her with mm, that's right. nude photos, and so she just published them herself so he wouldn't have any power over her. So that was quite cool. Yeah,
3: that was I liked that. Yeah, and then in response to all of this backlash, Ballathorn has apologized and said that she intended to advocate for something bigger than herself by removing the stigma behind sex work and the negativity that surrounds the word sex itself by bringing a mainstream face to it. Um, as well as help to bring more faces to the site to create more revenue for content creators. This does really read like she was paid by OnlyFans. Don't you
4: reckon? I seriously think so, because we're talking about it as well. (laughs) It worked.
3: Yeah, and then she said, again, in this process, I hurt you, and for that I'm truly sorry. She then went on to say that she's speaking to OnlyFans directly and wants to speak to them about all these changes they've made in regards to paying content creators Mm. so it's been a big kerfuffle Bella Thorne is in the shit um and it's really crap that in a global pandemic a lot of people have just lost their livelihoods because of a rich celebrity
4: yes a hundred percent agree I feel like sex workers are already so incredibly vulnerable so anything that impacts their livelihoods at this time is shit but I also feel like it's a shit situation because I do I mean unless this is SponCon it does seem like she had her intentions in the right place and it's all kind of exploded in a way that i don't think you could have predicted beforehand i don't think she was like to scam anyone she did
3: predict she was gonna make a million dollars
4: yes i just i don't think that she planned to get money not deliver the goods and that that would then have this knock-on effect that would yeah yeah you know what i mean i still question why you need to make an extra million dollars but I, people I saw were calling it like a scammer, like a modern day scammer. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily what's happened.
3: But it is naughty to promise, to charge people $200 for a nude photo and then a single photo of you in a bikini. That is kind of scamming. That is a bit
4: naughty, actually. And also, <laughs> um, 50,000 people responded. Do you think she was just overwhelmed and was like, oh, I can't do 50,000 nude selfies? Or can they all just get the same one? I'm mm, sure. I don't know okay shall we wrap it up yes let's wrap it up interesting chat if i do say so ourselves (laughs) if we great podcast amazing podcast um great hosts (laughs) beautiful (laughs) beautiful hosts (laughs) beautiful hosts (laughs) um
3: i can't fucking wait to see you this time next week holy shit We'll be able to record the podcast together again. I just feel like this has been such a wild ride of a time. Like us having this podcast, we lived in Sydney and we recorded it together, and then it's all just gone batshit We've crazy. We've definitely in the past done few
4: years. more episodes not together than together. Would you say? Which is crazy, because
3: yeah. we live in the same Ridiculous. city. And coming up we're gonna to have to book a bougie dinner because it's our two-year anniversary in exactly four weeks from today oh
4: my god
3: and i found a place in london that does press for champagne and it's
4: pink perfect we'll be launching an only fans campaign to raise money for our bougie dinner <laughs> oh my god. and we'll be selling um what is it no one wants nudes of us we'll be selling i don't know
3: my Bircham Muesli recipe. Yes, my banana bread recipe. Banana bread recipe. That's pa- we should get a Patreon because pe- people actually pay for that sort of
4: stuff on Patreon for your um, overnight oats recipe. Yeah. Now we'll cu- we'll come up with something better than that. Don't worry. And um, I do I do actually just be- before we go, I I do think it's a very worthwhile conversation for people to start thinking about how they want to pay for content if they do because it's such a it's yeah, such a complicated yeah. thing now where people are working like really hard and people are really valuing their work and we don't really have systems in place for people to like monetize like reimburse people for their work that isn't 20 dollars a month which is but just that's unrealistic.
3: that's the thing as well with um, Instagram and all of these incredible people who are educating people daily doing huge IGTV videos Doing a lot of a lot of research would go behind that and they're doing it essentially for free mm-hmm. and for like the small amount of people that bother to donate to their whatever it is. And it's, PayPal's. yeah, there's just
4: too many steps in between. Like if Instagram had a thing where you could donate to someone's Venmo in like a 30 second thing while you're watching their video, it was like Why one button. Why don't they have that? Because they want to make all the money themselves. They don't want other people to be making money that's not them.
3: That's so shit. It should actually be on their... IGTVs. You just click donate. And you can just donate and ten cents. Click Apple Pay.
4: Every single person watched an IGTV, and then they yeah. had it
3: linked to their bank account.
4: Yeah. Fuck Instagram. I know. Another great idea of ours. We need to move to the bloody Silicon Valley, Izzy, and make our billions. <laughs> A couple of cowgirls.
3: Um, please rate, review, and subscribe. Only positive things. <laughs> Share on your Instagram stories. Tell your mum and. <laughs> three friends about us and we will see you on saturday, see you on saturday. bye bye,
1: bye. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance.
0: United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible,
1: budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.